got us started dead on time, almost a minute early, Riz. Nicely done. Yeah, I uh, I, I got us started, Pete, but the problem is, is we might have not had audio for the first 30 seconds because uh, one of the <laughs> levels was too far down. So might might need you to run through our whole intro there again. Thanks to, thanks to Alabama-Texas Mike Reed for uh, cluing me in on what was going on there. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be bash you if we didn't have something like that. We've got Dickie Newberry in the house. You didn't hear that. He's a he's a legend. He's a legend from Texas that dominates on Toledo Bend and Rayburn. And we're going to be talking about fishing in grass. We're going to be talking about fishing ditches. Uh, tremendous, tremendous talent, both you know locally, regionally fishing to be the major league fishing. Uh, tour as well so uh, yeah he's going to be with us tonight so uh get your questions together we're going to have a blast talking about that and uh and, and because we're going to be in texas we've got our boy alabama mike reed who happens to live in texas so <laughs> it's, it's a paradox <laughs> that's confusing <laughs> it is well it, it, it's good to have you with us tonight man how are you uh thanks pete yeah well you know uh alabama mike reed's lived all over so uh, we just have to, and, and it's going to change here soon again. So we'll uh, we'll heard, see where they send us next. I, I heard Alabama Mike Reed is in the Air Force, and he's he's gotten another promotion. Congratulations! Yeah, but thank you, Pete. We're, we're worried we're gonna we're gonna lose you. You got to stay in this country, man. Hey, we'll we'll do our best. You know, wherever Uncle Sam says, go forth and conquer. We shall. I know, I know you will. I know you'll do great work wherever you go, and uh, we're glad to have you with us tonight. I know you, you've, uh, you, you spent some time fishing against uh, our guest tonight in Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of how uh, I met uh, Mr. Newberry. And I mean, he really is the true definition of the East Texas legend. You know, I mean, I mean, the guy was dominant for years. And I mean, even to this day, I mean, every time the FLW tour I mean, or the MLF tour now comes to Texas, I mean, he is a player, you know, I think he was sitting in fourth or fifth after day one of this recent event on Rayburn. And uh, I think canceling the second day hurt him a little bit. You know, he was saving some stuff that, you know, most people would have got blown out by the wind on that offshore deal, but he had some stuff he was saving that he really never got to get on because, you know, if you can get offshore, you really need to be getting offshore out there. So um, it was kind of we, we were rooting for him, but but you know he just kind of tailed off there towards the tail end. But. Well, he's crushed them with dominant stringers. We're going to be talking to him about it. He's a true legend in East Texas, and and that whole region is you know very similar to the way that I I am a legend at the farm ponds in Franklinville, New Jersey. They're still talking about it. Uh, <laughs> I dominate the 12 and 13 inch bass. Like nobody has ever done that before. <laughs> we're, we're psyched to have them. And, uh, and I, and JK, I see you wearing your bass, you orange and black. And I also, you were sporting, I think some Hobie sunwear, sunglasses, uh, some Anytime you talk about sunglasses on <laughs> but i'm loving these hobies man i'm loving these hobies and i got two pair now i got i got to be picky i'm gonna ride two pair 
in the bass boat all season long this year. Uh, one for low light and cloudy days and one for bright days. I've always wanted to do that. I'm going to finally do that uh, for the first time. If I don't lose them. <laughs> <laughs> the Sight, Sightmaster Plus lenses. They're, uh, they're amazing lenses. You guys want to go, got to go check them out. Um, uh, just tremendous eyewear. And we, we appreciate them being part of the program. And, uh, and we have Alex uh, Nair with us. Alex, the intern, our boy from uh, Indiana. How are you tonight, Alex? I'm doing good, Pete. I got some comments coming back here. People are talking about going fishing, and I'm just hoping the next time I go to the pond, I don't hear a hard clunk of ice when I throw my little <laughs> jig in there. So should be a couple months from now, we'll get back to open water here and back to the fun times. Absolutely, man. It's same, same here. I was talking to guys today about it. Like, we get, uh, you know, the – we get the worst weather in February and we're all, we have all got cabin fever and it just, it just decides to blast us one more time. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you blink your eyes, you're in March, the ice is out, the fish are biting and uh, it's a wonderful thing. So, uh, so it's going to be coming your way too, my friend. And uh, I know Alex, you're going to be keeping us up with all the stuff going on on the IM board over at YouTube. And uh, so if you have, if you guys are watching this on Facebook, YouTube and, uh, Alex will be, you know, get your question in. Alex will get it pushed through to us, and and uh, we'll uh, only the very very good questions though. But we'll we'll get them on the air. Very well. Hey Pete, can I can I give you a stat about Mr. Newberry? Lay it on me. What do you got? Hey, so Dicky has twelve MLF wins throughout his, <laughs> and that's just in the MF, MLF. Six of those are BFL wins on Rayburn. And if you know anything about the BFLs, the BFLs are the toughest division that you fish individually in every mm -hmm. state. Um, but to do it in Texas, I mean, Pete, I haven't fished a BFL in Texas yet that didn't have 220 boats in it. And the first one at Rayburn every year, it usually has 240. I mean, it's maxed out. Mm. You're right, and and there's studs in those tournaments, including yeah. Alabama Mike Green. And, uh, <laughs> two for two know, on Texas here, top ten in the AOI, right? That's yeah, right. In there. That's right, it, and it, it is. It's powerhouse tournament trail, and he, he's dominated down there. Won like six hundred thousand dollars over there in the MLF. And I, I want to, I'm going to ask him this: How much money has he won in those Buddy Derbies? Has he ever added it up? You know, uh, how many, you know, bass cats have won? I know uh, big bass, there's so much money. You said that there's more money, to, almost more money to be won just fishing locally in East Texas than there is traveling nationwide. Just on Sam Rayburn alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, you literally could, I mean, if you added up all the tournaments, and this is just an estimate, but I bet you could fish 20 tournaments a year where you're fishing for over 15 grand. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. We, we, we tournaments uh, in my part of the country, we just don't see that, you know, most parts of the country don't see that it's Texas. Texas uh, does it bigger, uh, even in, even in bass fishing. And uh, we're, we're, I'm tickled to death to, to have him with us tonight. And he's, he's been around a while. He's fished around, he is a legend, but he's fished around the legend, Harold Allen. He's fished around Tommy Martin. 
he's fished around Larry Nixon and, and all these uh, super talented guys uh, that, that, you know, cut their teeth in East Texas. So it's, uh, it's going to be fun talking to him, you know, getting stories about that, you know, and his experience with, with all those guys and all the rest. So get your questions together. We're going to have fun talking about springtime fishing down in Texas. And we got a lot going on tonight as we always do Riz. I don't know. Are are you got so much up in the air, Riz? Are you prepared to talk about what we're giving away and what we're doing tonight? Always. That's the easiest part of what I'm doing actually right now. (laughs) So I'd be happy to talk about what we have going on. Uh, as always, guys, we got two Gills Gear gift cards uh, going out the door. Um, those are $25 uh, gift cards to our awesome sponsor, Gills Gear. Not only do they keep you fresh on the water, they also keep you fresh wherever you need to be. So check them out, gillsgear.com. Uh, great clothes, uh, very functional, um, keeps, you, keeps you cool and protected while you're out there on the water. And uh, also, we got a Facebook like and share going on tonight. That's a $50 prize pack from our awesome sponsors here at bash university tv and in addition to that we have a grand prize going out the door tonight from our good buddies over at clutch swimbait co uh which yeah. our guy jk professional fish head is showing right now and those things flat out catch them right jk i heard i heard the clutch swimbait might have put a clutch one in the boat this weekend <laughs> i caught my first tournament Glide bait fish. I've weighed my first one in on a glide bait this weekend. And it was one moments that I was not going to pick it up until we had a limit. But there we sat, two fish in the well for about two and a half pounds. 11 o'clock, the fish were on the bottom, and I was fed up with trying to get them to eat the crankbait and the jerk bait and the swim bait and all the other moving baits that I kept trying to force feed them. So I'm down in the bottom of the boat tying on my jig, and Matt took the trolling motor. And Matt gets stuck, and we were fishing a gravel point, and, and, and gets stuck on a brush pile. That I didn't even know that brush pile was there, but he gets stuck. And he goes, dang it. I'm like, what is going on? He's like, dude, get your bait in the water. Get your bait in the water. Now there's three giants. You know, he's talking about looking at the front looker up there, and you can see three, three of them, you know, right there, right where his bait was stuck. And it was only 35 feet in front of the boat by the time I got the, uh, uh, the talons down, so – Went up to my rods and I got 17 of them there. And I was, you know, I would have thrown a jig, but I didn't haven't had it retied yet. And so I'm like trying to find a rod, trying to find a rod, something to throw into him. I was like, well, the most clear path was that glide bait. And he was saying giants and it just all came together. I was like, well, here we go. And I picked up that glide bait. I threw it out there about 50 feet, worked it just over that, um, that little spot where they were. And, dude, I got it sunk down because I, I weighted it with some heavier treble hooks that it, that it came, comes with because I wanted to be able to sink it down to them in the, in the cold if they were sucked to the bottom or whatnot. Anyways, two of those three rise up. You can see them on the forward facing. And they rise up. And I did the old trick Paul Bailey taught me at Clear Lake years ago with just the one, two, three really fast. And, I mean, right when I reeled into that third little – back and forth she tight lined me you know basically set the hook by herself had a had a treble hook on each side of the mouth and I mean, I horsed, her, horsed her to the net five and a half pounds baby and yeah our, we, we pulled 15 pounds out of our butt this weekend we did not fish well we were not clued in with what was going on props to the guys who caught them in very cold water it's like 48 degrees 
you know, even colder, some guys caught them in. So, uh, you know, happy to come out with making a top 10 and, you know, keeping a good spot for, for the, uh, you know, trying to make that Bassmaster team championship again is, is the goal there for that, that, that trail, but guys clutch swim baits, Josh, the owner is a Bass U subscriber. Every time we're on this live show, I, I, a hundred percent guarantee he's in the comments right now. Josh, <laughs> go ahead and send a comment if you're, if you're hanging out, but dude, he has been gracious, gracious enough to hook, hook some of us up. He's given you guys, it's like $150 swim bait. It's awesome. Resin made swim bait. Um, swims amazingly great for beginners too. But, um, so tonight I think, I think he's going to give away, he's got a light trout one. Light trout is a really popular color in swim baits. Um, popular S waiver color is where it was kind of born. But, uh, if you guys want to know if you, if you don't win the grand prize next Tuesday, we're not going to be live, but next Tuesday, Josh is going to have another drop. You know, he, you can't just go buy one of these swim baits off the website. He's going to drop them, make them available. First come first serve. So at six 30 central time, seven 30 Eastern next Tuesday, he's going to drop and those baits are going to sell out fast. So if how, you wanna, quick, how quick are they going JK for his baits? I want to say 125 or 150. If Josh is in the comments, he can clar clarify mm -hmm. that. Um, but uh, guys, if you cannot get a hold of one, he's going to make a concession for his fellow Bash U brethren. Oh, he wow. does, does not do this, okay? This is not standard operations. If you message him on his Instagram page, I believe it's Clutch Co. Swimbaits, if you message him and say you are a Bashu subscriber, he will put you on a special waiting list, a special waiting list just for Bashu subscribers who are tuning in and want to be able to get one of these baits that, you know, if you can't get one in the drop. So he's going to make a special waiting list for our boys. Really appreciate, really cool that Josh is one of us, is a subscriber, you know, long time and always with us, always watching. Um, and uh, he is a heck of a bait maker, man. This thing. I, I got a, I got a, I got a question for Josh, and and that was amazing catch and a great story, JK. <laughs> but I wonder if uh, Josh, did you put uh, tracking chips in these baits? Because <laughs> I, I, I seem to be missing uh, mine. I'm trying to track them down. Um, I don't know if they're in. One of the other guys' tackle boxes, maybe. <laughs> you know, they didn't quite make it to my tackle box. So I'm hoping, you know, like you do when you rescue a, a cat or dog, you know, you get that tracking chip. It's kind of like a find in. my so, iPhone type of deal. Just, you know, hope yes. you, there's an app maybe we can track it down. Yeah. Is there an app for that? If there's an app for tracking these baits, let me know. I don't know. I, you might be able to just track yourself right to BTC's garage. I mean, that that might all signs might lead to the garage Mahal. Hey, let's ask. The, let's be fair. Let's ask the guys on the on the uh, comments board. Who do you think took Pete's glide baits? Brian, I mean, Pete. Carpenter, Riz, or Iconelli? Because they all were present when 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 BTC brought them to the studio. So, mm. Pete, would you go swimming in the Chesapeake for one of those? That's all I want to know. I uh, man, I, oh, yeah. I would. I would go. I would. Go. I've done it before. Uh, I went swimming in Alabama. Alabama, Mike Reed. I remember. Remember when the Sammy came out? Uh, you guys might not have remembered. Lucky yeah. Crack. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I got yeah. I got hung up I got hung up on one of them cables behind a dock on Wheeler, and it was freezing cold, like March springtime, and uh, there was no other choice, man. I I only had one, and uh, <laughs> I went swimming, man. I went in and I uh, had to go get that get that sucker off the cable, but uh, mm-hmm. no, but it's uh, hey, thanks for the baits. They're amazing baits, and we really appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I want to give a, a little bit of a shout out here because we want to bring Dickie on here shortly. But I'm putting up on the message board. Uh, one, one of our fishing family uh, is, go- you know, kids is going through something right now. He got he got caught up and it, it's Ryan. He lives in my neighborhood and uh, I, the, his last name, I'm going to try to pronounce it, but it's Dra- Jash Z- Zemski, and I apologize. My name is Gluzek, so I know what it's like to get your last name butchered. But <laughs> but little little Ryan's eleven years old. He loves the fish. He loves the fish down the down the shore and in the ocean and freshwater fish. And uh, he had he had a bonfire going sideways, uh, right right in my neighborhood, and has suffered burns over ninety percent of his body. And he's down in Texas right now in uh in, in a burn treatment facility and he's getting better and we want to wish him well and uh and there's a gofundme uh link that i put up uh on the chat and i want to invite you guys to go over and check that out and 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 help him out as as his family gets through this um you know it's just uh it's a it's a tremendous tragedy tragedy but he's a great young kid um and and i'm I'm so tickled that, you know, the Mount Laurel Fire Department, we have such a great group of guys there and all all the emergency responders in the area. These are the same guys that responded to my father's heart attack a few years back, and they were on scene uh, to, to help Brian and his family uh, with this deal. So we want to send thoughts and prayers out to him as he makes his recovery and to his family. And uh, like I said, the GoFundMe link is right there on the chat room. And want to wish them the best. We're hooking them up with a Bash University subscription. And uh, we're going to hook them up with some uh, some great fishing stuff. And when he gets back in town, I'm taking rye fishing. We're going out. Uh, we're going out when he gets back. We're going to do some fishing. Where Whenever he makes it back to town, we're going somewhere. And we're going to have some fun and uh, go catch some fish. So I want to wish you all the best, buddy. Get well. Get well soon. Get yourself home. Um, we're, we're, uh, we're wanting that as soon as possible. So, um, so what we're going to do guys, we're going to take a quick break, man. We're coming back with one of the greatest anglers ever to wet a line in East Texas, uh, a true legend. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, man, we're, we're going to be talking about all kinds of springtime fishing, red, the color red. I'm, I'm dying to know how did that was, was he there when that got started, that Texas red. Uh, I want to know all that stuff. Get your questions together. We're going to be right back uh, talking to Dickie Newberry in just a few minutes on Bash University Live. Hey, Josh, I want a Rayburn Red Glide Bait.
technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I've found that can withstand my hook set. Boom, goes the dynamite. obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance-driven gear, so you can fish longer, harder. Gills Performance Fishing. Just have to keep pumping out. we're back. We are back. All right, we're live. We're back, guys. Uh, Pete decided to take a little break. He'll be right back with us. But we are joined now with a Texas bass fishing legend. Mike rattled off his amazing stats earlier in the show. Now, that's just Major League Fishing, so we can't wait to dig into some more stats with him. But we are joined by Mr. Dickey Newberry. Mr. Dickey, thank thank you for joining us and welcome to Bash You Live. Hey, appreciate it. Glad to be here. <laughs> hey, man, we're glad to have you. Uh, we really are. Uh, you know, it's it's amazing. We looked at the stats. I uh, I talked to some people that that I know from that that region, and they're like, man, he he is a true legend, and that that doesn't come off lightly. Um, you know, you've really really had a great run and dominate a lot of tournaments in Texas. And it's pretty impressive record you've put up, put up over all these years. Well, I appreciate it. I've had, uh, I've had a lot of lucky, lucky and just been blessed with some of the tournament wins. Yes. I've enjoyed it though. That's the main thing. And it's funny, uh, JK, by the way, nice intro, JK. I appreciate you having my back on that one. I got uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know you do, but 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 the truly talented anglers, the guys that win a lot, always always say that there's that that humility, and I hear it in your voice, and it's it's amazing to hear. But uh, about luck, you know, but uh, but there's obviously a lot of talent there. You've been you've been doing this a long time. When when did you when did you get started in tournament fishing? Really, uh, you know, I, I kind of got a little late start compared to what uh, all the the kids that are out there now coming up through high school and college and, and, uh, coming up, I, you know, I was in my probably early thirties, mid thirties before I really started really getting serious about it and fishing a lot. Um, it was a different era back then. And, you know, it was just a total different game back, back in those days. 
what, the lights what, were different. Uh, our technology was completely different. You know, mm -hmm. the boats and the, all the electronics. Our our motors were smaller. You know, trolling motors and I mean everything. There's such an advancement in all in all our gear right now. Uh, well, there's no doubt. I mean, it's changing everything. But back yeah. then, with the the maybe maybe the big advantage back then was the fishing must have been amazing. Oh, it, the the fi the fishing was really uh, really good, and and it's like any other thing you do. You just it, it takes a while to establish you know patterns. No know what to look for there wasn't as much information out there you had to rely on buddies and friends and and groups of guys and and stuff like that uh and you just you just had to put your nose down yes it was it was phenomenal fishing we caught a lot more fish it seemed like then we could find more groups of big ones like now if you run into a uh a group of big ones you just kind of cherish it and you you hide you do it you and <laughs> keep somebody else from finding it and it usually doesn't work but maybe one or two tournaments and then it's history so one of those mm. kind of years. yeah that, that, a lot the, the schools i you know i saw um one of my favorite places is lake seminole um mm -hmm. yeah. uh, down in alabama florida cool. and uh and i never uh i always remember the first time i went there we went to Wingate's Lodge. I can't believe I remembered yeah, the name of the lodge. Sure. And you, you've been there before? I've been there. Not sure. Yeah. Right. Well, you go, there's a tour event there. The 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 lodge there, it, it had like all these pictures. You remember mm -hmm. the pictures mm -hmm. of like, mm -hmm. it looked like 10 pounder after 10 pounder lay in coolers, laying on the docks and uh, doing all that. It's it just, um, it, it was amazing. That had to be exactly what Rayburn was like. It had to be just exploding with big fish. You know, uh, when my trip to Seminole and a tour event, it, it did remind me of Rayburn during its early days. One of the things with all the timber standing, uh, back in those days, we had a lot of timber. We had matted hydrilla that went out to 15 to 18 foot on the outside edge, you know, and it was just, just, mats and mats of hydrilla everywhere and you could get off and find a group of fish and you'd be out in a timber and nobody would even know you were out there i mean it was you could almost hide the timber was so thick and that's where all these boats now that are running through and i'm sitting there can't bear to watch them i just know they're going to hit a stump <laughs> so it, it has changed quite a bit and and the hydrilla is gone so you know we've got just very little hydrilla left so i hope it doesn't affect us long term that's that must have been amazing. Uh, the the timber was still standing back then, but the 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 hydrilla is it um is it a low water situation? Did the the Army Corps come in and and kill it, or uh, is it uh what what's happening with the grass we, out there? Right well, now? we we had we had ten foot high water, and it's and it they kept the elevation ten foot above pool, uh, you know, last summer, and it went deep into the summer, and uh you know we have we have several rivers that come in, and there's the Natchez hits below the Rayburn Dam. It goes and it becomes the Natchez. The Angelina and Toyak make up Sam Rayburn. And it and as it flows out of the dam, well, they had to hold the water back because the other river was flooding and it would flood the, the Beaumont Orange area down there if they started releasing mm. uh, all the water out of Rayburn. So they backed the water up, kept it up for long, stayed up 10 foot high, killed a lot of our pine trees around the bank. And it just just devastated our hydrilla. Our hydrilla just hadn't had time to, 
you know, to get to come back yet. Well, it sounds to me like, well, if you give Hydrilla just a, a minute to breathe, yeah. it's going to come back. I hope so. We need <laughs> it. We need it. That's one of the one of the things that you'll find common in in most of our uh, good bass lakes is is good Hydrilla. I know. I I I had does Toledo still have Hydrilla? Is or is it dealing with the same issue? Now, it doesn't fluctuate as much in elevation changes, but something's happened and have very, very little, if any, hydrilla over in, in uh, Toledo Bend right now. Toledo Bend, uh, you know, it's they're still catching good fish over there. I mean, they just had a BFL over. I think it took 27 to win. So they're still, they're still catching them. It's just it's not near as good as it was when it had a lot of hydrilla. Well, I, I was fortunate to fish it when it did have yes. all that high drill, and I got to see it, uh, you know, maybe in the 90, late 90s or early 2000s. Mm -hmm. I think that's the last, yeah. you know, last time I fished a tournament down there. But it's two, you know, world-renowned fisheries, yeah. um, and, and you've been at them from the beginning, uh, you know, and that's pretty cool because I, we, I was talking a little earlier, and I, I want to dive into Bass University Fishing Talk, but, I, man, I, it's, it's really cool to me. I've, I've had uh, – the pleasure of fishing around and, and getting to know a little bit about like Harold Allen, Larry Nixon, mm -hmm. uh, no Tommy Martin a little, uh, but the, these are, these are guys that, that you fished around when you were getting started. Yeah, they, they had already, they were established. They were kind of the people that I looked up to. They were the, they, they kind of, that was the hip hill gang, you know, they, they got started there on Toledo Bend and, there was a few other ones that went and, and you know, it's back in the uh, mid eighties that another guy they run with was John Torian. And uh, I hired him to take me out and show, show me how to catch those fish in the grass. Cause I kept getting beat in the summertime with all these guys pitching in the grass, you know, and, and uh, we, we went out one day and he showed me what it was all about. And, and then shortly after that, I, I kind of got the knack of that and, and away we went and it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. And it was pretty that's, awesome. that's your wheelhouse. That's what I heard. That's, uh, there's a couple things you're really good at and, uh, and grass fishing is at mm -hmm. the top of that list. Yeah. We, uh, you know, during the summertime or about mid May during, after the post spawns over where the fish have moved out and they, they hang on the outside edge of the grass and they stay there through the summer. Usually, especially if the, if the water's deep enough, if it's, you know, 12 to 18 foot on the outside edge, you can catch them all summer long. And that's how we won all the tournaments back in the eighties, nineties and early 2000s until the grass started coming back and getting shallower and shallower. But, mm -hmm. uh, but that's, that's how we won. I, I won two BFL uh, regionals up on Lake Wachita in Arkansas. I uh, went up there and it was 20 foot hydrilla banks. And I was, you know, that was most awesome jig bite I'd ever gotten, you know, but it was a uh, pretty, pretty neat deal. Right. You're right at home when you saw that coming up. How were you fishing the grass edges back then? You said a jig, are you, are you just running down the grass edge with a jig? What, what were well, the dominant you know, patterns? When I, when I first started, uh, we, we had so much hydrilla here. I, I would get there at day, daylight or the first thing I'd do is run down the edge of the spinner with a spinnerbait and uh, I'd, you know, catch a fish on top of the edge of the hydrilla early, early. You know, you had to be there just at daybreak. And that's usually where I'd, I, every time I'd catch a fish, I'd throw a buoy because we didn't have waypoints to plug in. 
So I'd throw buoys. So I have three or four buoys down there and I'd go back around those buoys. They'd usually be a school right there. And you could, we, um, when braided line come out, I guess that was in the nineties, early nineties, late eighties. Uh, that's, that's when our jig fishing in the grass really got good. That's when we got started getting more of the fish in because, uh, it's usually a 65 pound braid on a big flipping stick and ounce and a quarter jig, you know, and, and just, uh, and just pitch it out there, let it go to the bottom, pick it up and just keep the boat moving and traveling down the edge. And you're, you'll run into what we call scrapes and you can sit right there and catch, you know, eight or 10 fish on consecutive drops. If you keep it in the same spot, if you move it four or five foot to the side, you don't get a bite. So, wow. that's, so we call it scrapes and uh, it's, it's a pretty awesome when you, when you hit a good scrape with five and six pounders and occasional seven, <laughs> it, it gets fun. <laughs> so, it's wait, How so, big so, is a scrape? Yeah, <laughs> I need more. I need more on this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you an I'm gonna give you an example. We we found a group of fish. A team partner and I, a guy I fished with for twenty something years, a guy by the name of John Gunnels, and he and I was fishing on the front of the boat. We knew these fish were here. We'd found them in practice, and I was getting close to it because I seen a stump up ahead of me. And I was getting. I said, "We're close. We're close," and I flipped out there and I, I hit this one. It's about three pounder swinging boat, putting live well walk back up there, flip back in there, and I catch a five-pounder, put it in the boat. And he's up there fishing all the time, but he's on the left side trolling motor. And I pitch in there again, I catch a seven-pounder. And he nets that one, and he goes, what am I doing wrong? And I said, go on the other side trolling motor. He goes, you got to be kidding me. Pitched over there, and he caught him a five-pounder. I mean, it, it's that it's that small. It's so defined. It, I, it's, it's either – it could be a, a stump down there under the under the water on the bottom – Usually mm -hmm. it's hard places. Here at Rayburn, we had low water conditions, and I went back to one of those locations, and it was kind of a, a shell bed type with a little bit of shell, um, some gravel mm -hmm. and stuff, but it was a small place, and it was one that was out here off the Farmer's Flats, which is down here on the south end, when we had acres and acres of hydrilla, where the water fell, up, it got to about 13, 12 or 13 feet low, and I went out there and walked on the bank, and I, I got my two trees lined up, and and I found the location, and there it was. It was, it was something to do with the bottom. Wow, that that's really cool. It's a, it's uh, really interesting stuff. You talked about a bunch of things. Number one, the the line. When the line changed, you started to be able because, like, if you're trying to flip in the grass with mono, which is what yeah. we were dealing with early on, mm -hmm. in 15 to 20 feet of water inside hydrilla, mm -hmm. it's like a big giant, like mushy spring. There's yeah, and, no, nobody set the hook. And the grass would wad up, and with with braid, it cuts through the grass, and you pull the fish out. And I've caught them on on mono and pull up, and we have to just dig down through the grass to get down to them. You know, you don't even know what it is. Sometimes it's a two or three pounder, but you know, it's it's one of the mysteries until you dig down to them because you're pulling up, you know, three foot ball of uh, grass when you're using mono. And, and, you know, one of the other things about it, I mean, we're flipping an ounce and a quarter jig, and that's a lead head jig, and that's a big piece of lead. And these big aggressive fish, when they clamp down on it, you can, I mean, it's very, very difficult to, to get that hook in them. Yeah, you can't turn it. You can't turn the jig. Uh, no. You know, I mean, unless you, you're using you take, I mean, you take it and, and grab that jig in your hand, 
and you get somebody over, even with braided line, and let them start pulling on it, you can keep that hook from sticking you. And that, and I'm telling you, some though a big bass, a seven or eight pounder, their mouth is just as strong as your thumb and your index fingers squeezed together. I promise you, they will they will hurt you when you, you know, when and and that's what they're doing. They're trying to kill what they're what they're about to eat. So they're trying to crush it in them crushers. And then when they're holding on to it, I mean, I've swung five pounders over the side of the boat and, and the jig not even being, you know, stuck. It, you know, they open their mouth, they hear they are flopping. And that's happened quite a few times. That's, that's amazing. And uh, I, I hear the guys getting so excited talking about these scrapes and mm -hmm. all, all these big fish. But I, I got to go to a question. In the 80s, where in the world are you finding an ounce and a quarter jig? They, they're, they didn't have to exist. Were you making your own? I mean, that you had to be on the, the forefront of that in, kind of well, in, in, in the eighties, most of our big jigs were one ounce. Very seldom. Uh, Stanley started making an ounce and a quarter. One of the guys at the local tackle store talked them into building a few of them. And we got our hands on a few of them then. And uh, Oldham t Oldham's is probably the guy that, that, that put out the most of the uh, Terry Oldham with his old mm -hmm. jigs and um, they were they were kind of the jig of choice and he he made he made some custom two ounce jigs because down in when you're down in Amstad uh, some of those lakes still house some of those lakes I mean you had 25 and 30 foot you know deep grass and if you was waiting for a one ounce or ounce and a quarter to fall the bottom would take you you know waste all your time so they were dropping big heavy ones mm. Yeah. That's that's amazing, and it's really cool. It was at the forefront of that stuff. And uh, have you have you found scrapes like that in your time at Rayburn, uh, Alabama, Mike Reed? Um, negative. Yeah. <laughs> you talking about the kind that's got five and seven and eight pounders on it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I got I got a bunch of two pound scrapes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so so things have things have changed over the years, but you, but uh, yeah. how did how did you go through that process? I mean, back then you were on the outside edge fishing that deep hydrilla, catching those monster bags, but uh, but guys were catching on to you. But you continued to to stay ahead of the curve, it seems, and and continue mm -hmm. to dominate the tournaments. What what well, what what happened next? I mean, you know, as our as our hydrilla, you know got worse and worse uh, as a, as the outside edge got shallower and shallower, the fish quits living up there all the time. So they come up there to feed and then they leave and go out and suspend. At least that's my theory on what's happening with our shallower grass and, uh, and, uh, and punching the grass or whatever what you want to call it, flipping the grass or whatever. It, it just, uh, it hasn't been as good. And so then you have to adjust and go figure out another way to catch them. And that's been timber, but going up the rivers. Uh, oh yeah, well it's, it's fishing hard spots out on a lake, uh, drops, and you know. And then uh, it, thing about it, you can take a rattle trap in that this time of year, and it's it's uh, it's dynamite. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, even even flipping the hydrilla at this time of year is really not very productive. We we don't do a lot of it, even when we had the deep grass. It was mainly uh, throwing rattle traps. Usually when our water temperature gets down close to 50, the, 
the big green hydrilla's been standing up, it starts laying over and the cavities down underneath it, they kind of close up and the fish kind of move on top of it and get in mm -hmm. the little holes and stuff on top. And that's when you, when the uh, rattle trap starts working so well. Nice. Well, talk to us more about that because I I'm glad you made that switch. We were talking about summertime. Now we're talking about this time of year. And from mm -hmm. what I heard, Mr. Newberry is you're one of the best lipless crankbait fishermen, you know, in that area. Like you're well known for that as well. Mm -hmm. And so take us through that. Like, are you doing anything different? Is it different retrieves? You know, tell us a story, you know, is one of those big bags that you caught on a lipless? Yeah. I'd love to hear well, some about it. See, see, one of the, one of the things I, I think in, in any type of fishing you do, you've got to pay attention to details, a lot of details. And I think with a lipless, there's so many details. A cadence is probably the most important thing. There is, and all that has to do with the depth of the, you know, from the top of the water column or the top of the water down to the, where the top of the grass is, you know, that can, that can make you change from a quarter ounce rattle trap, a half ounce or three quarter, you know, it, it all changes and then changes with the speed and the size line to get it at that right depth at the right speed. Because every day you go out, it's something different. They want something different, it seems like. Very seldom do I ever go out and and catch fish and then go right back the next day and catch them the same mm -hmm. exact way. It just doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't happen that way. It'd be too easy. So uh, you, you have to pay attention to what's going on. And uh, once you get bit, you, you've got to really zero in on what you were doing. Was it on a pump? Or was you, did you just rip it out of the grass and, 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 and get that bite while the bait was fluttering down, which is real common. Uh, was it a steady retrieve? Was it in a drain? Was it on a corner? Was it on a point, you know, tapered grass? Or was it up on the mat? Was it on the inside grass line? All this stuff, you know, you have to put it all together and go with it. And you've got to really believe in it too. Colors are really important. I mean, one day they'll, they'll want a gold. Next day they'll want, uh, a, you know, just a plain red. Next time it might be a brown. It may be chartreuse. And, and, and usually when I'm rattle trap fishing, I have five or six of them tied on. I commit to it. I have five or six. I try to put them all on the same action rod and the same size line, same reels, so I can really work with my cadence on them and, and, and get all that working. I do, I do a few things different. Um, I, I, um, I, I always change my hooks. I catch at least one or two fish in each tournament. That's usually uh, foul hooked. He'll be hooked in the end of the tail. Sometimes they'd be hooked in the, in the head. Mm -hmm. I mean, I caught a seven pounder in a BFL, finished second in that one. And uh, it was right off the bat, first thing that morning, I caught a seven pounder and I promise he was stuck right at the end of the tail, right to the last part of the scales. And he took me on a ride. I, I said, this, this told my co-angler, I said, this is not a bass. There's no way this is a bass. And he went around and finally got wadded up in some grass and I was able to get over and pull him up and we, netted it and, I, and that was one of those deals where i dug down to the fish and it, it was a big seven pounder i said well i was Good lucky on that. but yeah no we, we, catch, we catch them like that i mean it's really important to change the hooks and um and, and, For real. and be prepared what kind of hook what kind what of, hook kind of hooks i'm sorry what kind of hook was that that you caught the one in the last scale of the the, the tail on a seven pounder and it didn't pull off i mean we yeah. we snag fish on the flats all the time and they just pull off in the first three seconds yeah, how many times do you uh, when when you snag them and you get a scale back? 
Uh, often. All the time. All the time. Whole tournament it's, 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 the, the reason is your hook's not penetrating. It's, and most of these fish, or all these fish, I mean, if you just stick them in a scale and you don't get on through that scale, you're not going to catch them. It's going to pull scale out. And I brought some big scales back for but I finally, uh, I finally found a hook. I mean, and there's no sponsorship or nothing like that. It, but it's, it's the hook that I found out is the best for this. It's the, uh, it's a Gimagatsu. It's that, it's an Aaron Martin's finesse. Um, no kidding. And, and and if you if you look at that hook and you get to the angle of it, the the way it it comes straight down and then sweeps back around, it kind of looks like a triple grip, but it's but it's straight out. See a triple grip. And that's a light wire hook. Putting, if they're putting their mouth around a triple grip and they bite it and you get him stuck on that, he's not coming off. It's probably right. it, you know it's by far everybody's proved it's it's one of the best crankbait hooks there is. But when they come up, start slapping at a rattle trap. I mean, you've got to have something there that 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 will stick them. And um, and that particular hook I'm talking about, it is a lot wire hook. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people use them on their jerk baits and yep. stuff. They're similar yep. to that, but they're strong. They're really strong. I on they a half ounce, on a half ounce, I use a, a number three on the front and a number four on the back. And there, and there's a reason for that too. It it yes. makes it makes your trap stand up a little bit more with a lighter hook on the back, creates a little bit more vibration, but also when it does hit the grass with it standing up more vertical coming through the water, it has it doesn't dig. If if you've got a big treble hook on the back, it pulls down on the tail of it, and when it hits that grass, it just digs in like a plow, and what? and you'll have a lot more problem pulling it through the grass. So, you only notice that, you know, if you're just really fishing it a whole lot. What, 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 uh, how are you managing the fish with those hooks? Like, and like, what kind of rod are you using as far as action goes? Cause like, I feel That's like with that, question. with that style of hook, you know, it's, it's not just a gaff, a big barb. Like, are you factoring that in at all on your, your rod reel equation or how, uh, how are you I mean, that? you, you've got to, you've got to know what you're using. Y- y'all not going to believe this, but I, I use a seven and a half foot flipping stick. Come on. I do. <laughs> that can be true. I do. With, and, with and, and, here, and here's, here's the reason why. I mean, in case I want to flip the grass. No, I'm just kidding. It, it, <laughs> when you're, when you're casting and you, you hang that trap up in the grass if you you can take if you using a either a glass or a limber rod like everybody forever has always used a rattle trout you know rod that is a limber rod and when you try to pull it out you can't pull it out of that grass and you have to pull and pull and pull and then sometimes it comes free and sometimes you have to pull the grass back i can take that flipping stick if it hangs that grass i pop my wrist a little bit and it pops it right out of it and it flutters up there and usually the fish grabs it right then I mean, I'm telling you, until you until that. you've used it, that my my flipping stick. Now you you've got to know what you've got in your hand because that hook. I mean, or any hook. I mean, I, I use stingers for the owner stingers. I use them for a long time, and mm. and I, I straightened out. I mean, I lost a BF another BFL because I had a fish that I stuck, and he come by the boat, and he was coming at the boat. And he went under the boat and just kept going, slam my rod down and straighten my hooks out. I mean, he was, it was one of them sure enough big ones. But the thing about it is if, if you know what you got on there, you, you keep the tension on and you work them. You just, you don't just horse them. I mean, you, but 
I always try to get them toward the top. I try not to let them go back down in the grass and bury. And mm. and if there's stumps there, we just we go on a trolling motor and chase them sometimes. But mm. uh, you know, I I don't have I, that one is the only hook I've straightened out on a fish for the rattle trap that I can remember. Wow. So what's uh what, talk to us about the rest of the setup? You you're using a seven foot six flipping stick. Yeah. Now we've uncovered the hooks. What trap are you throwing and what line are you pairing up with that uh, that flipping stick? Nor normally it's 15 pound cigar, uh, Invesac or Brazac. So one, one, one or the other. I'm, I'm, I've been experimenting with the Brazac here lately. But I'm throwing, um, it's usually 15. Now, if, the, if, if it's real shallow on top of the grass to the surface, I will go up to 17 and sometimes even 20 if I have to, to, mm -hmm. to keep the, keep the trap up in the water column because it really changes the depth of the running. And just, Is I it, mean, uh, that's are, you, are, you, are you throwing a trap? Are you throwing a rattle yeah. trap? Or? I'm throwing a rattle trap. Now, you know, I've, th I've thrown just all of them. I mean, I mean the Yozuri's, uh, you know, I've, I've, I throwed everybody's and, and, and there's times for all of them. I mean, there are. But as a rule, my rattle trap does just everything. The flat side on the rattle trap creates more reflection, and I think it gets more attention. It doesn't have as an aggressive of a wobble. It's kind of like, you know, our, our chatterbaits and stuff. You know, we we've got the uh, the jackhammer, which has a big big wobble, and then. Strike King's got the Thunder Cricket, who has a real tight one, and they're totally different when you throw them. But there's days when they want one and they want the other. Well, the same way on a rattle trout. Some days they want the rattle trout, and sometimes they want a, a more aggressive, uh, louder bait. You know, the, the thing about the, the Booyahs, the, the Yozuris and everything, most of those are five-eighths. And an eighth of an ounce, from a half to a five-eighths, they do run at different depths. And there's mm -hmm. times... You know, if you if your grass is a little bit deeper, uh, yeah, that that that's that's a better bait because it, it gets a certain speed, and it gets the right speed that you want sometimes. And I mean, there's years when um, when the grass is set up around here, or you know, we caught them in Toho on it uh, a few years back. I've caught them at Seminole. I mean, when you was talking about Seminole earlier, I mean, I I hammered them in practice on on Seminole. And it, it took the Yozuri to get down to them because they were, the grass was a little bit deeper there. Mm. But, you know, and, and, and we'll have a lot of springs here where our water comes up and we'll have five or six foot over the top of our grass. And that's when we throw nothing but three quarter. So we'll be throwing all three quarter, whether it be a lucky craft three quarter or, you know, and we throw the rattle traps. Uh, Yozuri has now got a three quarter. We throw those. I mean, I've got boxes and boxes of all kinds. Uh, so I have all styles, but it just seems like most of my fish have come on, on the trap itself. That's like, great stuff. That is great stuff. The, the, the whole crew here is like, we're like that emoji where the, the mind's getting blown. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the, a flipping stick, a, yeah, that, a light, the, the finesse trebles. Come on, that, that's some innovative stuff. Yeah, it well, is. It's just uh, it's just over time. I I, I kind of got onto that by accident, and I was practicing for a it was a Toyota series. Back then, it was a strand tournament here at Rayburn, and 
And uh, I was practicing on a Sunday, a bluebird day, and fish were not cooperating very well. And I changed to a different location. And and I, I back then I was throwing a uh, I was throwing like a seven foot glass rod on most most of my traps. And and I threw it out there, and and I don't know something messed up backlash or something. And I I had I had been using I had some offshore fish with a football jig, and I reached down there and just cut the football jig on tied tied the rattle trap on. I threw it out there and I couldn't believe what I was feeling. It is a total different world, you know, throwing mm. it on that, on that stiff rod. That, that particular rod there was a, it was, it was a grass rod made, made for grass fishing that I used for football jigs. And it was a seven foot two. And, uh, and I went on, I won that tournament later on that particular day. I had over 30 pounds once I switched over to that other rod. Whoa. It was just, it was just awesome. Well, I, I got I got some questions for you, and and uh, I know all of our guys do, and I'm going to send it to Mike Reed in just a. But I got to ask this, uh, and Alex, we got IMs. I, I we all got so many questions. We want to hog the interview here, uh, but 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 let can can you take us to Rayburn Red? Were you around when Rayburn Red was like all of a sudden it was discovered that this this was the deal because. It, it swept you the know, whole country. It's still there now. I, I don't know that I was. Uh, I mean, I've just always thrown Rayburn Red. I mean, when I first started throwing rattle traps, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I remember when it's hot. But every year there's some little new hot color that seems like comes out. But it's it's always a, a red or orange related, you know, type bait. But you know, I. And, and sometimes those little subtle changes will, will make a lot of difference. It's amazing how fish can see, tell that that's a different color coming through there as fast as it's going, but, but they can, and they pay attention. And, and uh, yeah, I can be standing right beside the next guy. And I mean, he can be, you know, kicking my butt on, you know, cast after cast until I switch over to his color and it'd be hardly any difference. One could be throwing a, 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 a red shad and, and the other be throwing a crawfish red, you know, and one be out doing the other. So it's amazing. Well, that, that color swept the country and mm-hmm. uh, it's dominated down there in Texas. And I'm going to send it's it over up. to you to Mike. Mike, what, what, what question do you have for Dickie? Dickie, I've got to know your thoughts on speed. You know, you talk about how many giant fish are rattle trap catch. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the reasons for that may, you know, you know, I just want to hear your theories on what speed plays into that. You know, I mean, I, I just feel like the faster you can get a bait to move and touch that grass at the right level. Exactly. The, the you more know, reaction you're going to get. It seems like my bigger stringers of fish that I've caught was more, uh, more reaction type. And, and it seems like, that majority of them is right after it, it hung in the grass. And, and as I reel the bait in, I'm usually pointed, the, rod, the rod's pointed almost toward it or close to toward the bait way it's coming to where once it, I feel if it hits the grass, well, I pop it. And, and just as I pop it, that's usually when I get the big bites. I mean, I've caught some nine pounders. I caught a 10 last year and the, the 10 last year, uh, it come on a three quarters in some deeper grass. I caught, I caught a nine last year and, uh, it was stuck directly in the middle of the side. And I still got the pictures of it. 
I mean, it, it come up and swatted at it, you know, but that one there was definitely when I popped it out of the grass. And, um, I, you know, I won one tournament sitting with my power poles down and, and almost every one of those fish was just, you had to, it had to be a reaction and it had to be a flutter. It had to be a, you know, pop it out of the grass. And as it fluttered, you know, it would, t- I mean, the fish would come up and grab it and go the other way. I mean, you would, sometimes you wouldn't even feel them. They just, you know, pop it up and then take the slack and he's there. Right. Yeah. So, and you know, most people think of cold water, they think you need to slow down uh, and you need to, you know, you really need to go slow right. and milk something. When in reality, you may never get those same fish to bite if you're not moving it fast. Oh, hey, yeah, it, I think that fast retrieve is a reaction. I think it's, you know, it comes into their their territory and and, and, and a lot of it's just a, a slap or, or they will at- attack it just as protecting their area. And sometimes a uh, slow moving bait, they're not going to pay attention to. I mean, it's just... Just plain and simple, but you, but I say all this every day. It's different. I promise mm. you. One day, one day you catch them one way. The next day you have to. It's a steady retrieve. You know, some days you have to use big line where you can slow it down. I mean, you just never know. And 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 the key to doing good is once you get that first bite, then you got to go and and, and you got to you know duplicate. You got to mimic that same same process. Excellent advice. And uh, for, for those of you that um, are watching the show, they probably, they probably don't know what a buoy is. Um, <laughs> <That's> they, <laughs> you know, they, they, they are, they are available on, uh, at your, at your local tackle store. So go at check a big, it out. big discount. <laughs> They're trying to get rid of them. Throwing the bargain bins. Uh, <laughs> hey, we, we've hogged you so much. We, uh, I know we, you know, Alex, we've got a lot of IMs. We've got a lot of questions. Uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, Pete, we've had a lot of great questions filtering in on YouTube, Facebook, and, of course, on the Bass U Live message board. So I want to get to a couple off the Bass U Live message board here to start. And the first question we're going to go to is one from Theoretically Dan. And, Dan, you're going to win a $25 Gills Gear gift card for this question. So go ahead, send in your email. We'll get that sent out to you here. But, Dickie, what Dan wants to know from you is, what lessons have you learned on Rayburn or Toledo Bend or any other Texas lakes that you've carried around to other lakes in the country while you're traveling on the tour? I, um, the fishing with a trap and a chatterbait that I've learned here has really paid a lot of dividends in other lakes. Um, I think that, uh, just being able to read the grass, knowing, uh, knowing how to read the grass has really, really helped a lot. Uh, and it's, you know, all, all, anytime you're fishing is being able to, key in on that key thing at Okeechobee I did really well last year at this time of year and the fish I had found the large females they were kind of staged up outside the reeds right where everybody else's boat was that's something that we do here that we know that fish when they're coming in they'll stage up on something and I think that just paying a lot of attention uh, reading the grass things of that nature I guess is the best way I can answer that Alex, Absolutely. let's let's uh, send it back for another question. 
Yeah, Dickie sort of led himself right into the next one that I was going to ask him. So the second question is going to come here from Matt G. And what Matt wants to know is, Dickie, what structure or depths do you target during the spring and early pre-spawn to find those bigger female bass, kind of what you were just alluding to there? Yeah, well, it has a lot to do with the lakes that you're fishing and, and, and whether it's vegetation or whether it's uh, uh, lack of vegetation. Um, you Usually, as you go back and knowing where the usually the as a rule the spawning coves are normally to the north they're on the north banks of coves and pockets and stuff to where the water is more protected from the hard north winds and shallow flats where they would do you know where they would spawn and going into those a lot of the females this time of year are on secondary points they're usually on breaks there's something that holds them there it could be a cluster of stumps it could be you know, hard spots is what's become really popular here because of our, our water elevation changing. It's created some of our silts has been washed off a lot of the clay points and it's created some hard spots. So, you know, things, things of that nature. Hey, Diggy, I got to, I got to cut in here. Okay. Um, you know, you know, Texas has a predominantly South wind. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like those North pockets still play the same way being protected from a North wind? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not necessarily the wind itself, it's the cold. They warm up quicker, uh, so the fish tend to spawn more in the north pockets, the ones to the north. Uh, they're protected from the cold north winds, so they warm up a lot quicker. And, uh, you know, our, it just it gets better, better sunlight as a rule. And um, as long as that cold north wind's not blowing in there, warmer south winds keep it, you know, keep it stirred up and warm a little bit better. But, I got you. And, and uh, some of some great fishing. And when that south wind blows up in those north pockets, because that's, that's where the fish are wanting to go. And the water, usually when the south wind's blowing in there, it's warming up. As a rule, the water temperature's going up. That yeah. usually pushes them in, stirring the water. Everything about it's good. Great, great stuff. Uh, Mike, going to use that on your next uh, BFL. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but rich i i see uh what do you what do you, you got a question for dickie yeah uh we got one on the board from joe v um and joe v wants to know uh dickie what advances have you seen uh in baits that have made the biggest impact in tournament fishing throughout your career um you know i i'd probably i mean you know the uh the chatterbait was a big, uh, yeah, big change. I think I think that when it come along, we was always throwing swim jigs and stuff like that. But I think chatterbait probably made as much a uh, much a change on on baits. There's been the the whopper popper and plopper and you know those baits have come along and all the other. I mean, there's been a lot of baits come out, but I to, to me. The chatterbait probably as much because of the type of fishing I do and fishing the grass and stuff. It's, a, it's one of the top baits. It's yeah. Senko, you didn't say Senko. <laughs> well, that's true, but you know, seem like I've always had Senko. But yeah, the thing about it, I use uh, I use a sluggo. And the sluggo oh my gosh, the sluggo you, you was the, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I got to ask you a question, Mr. Newberry. I, you know, you opened the show. We were talking about all your accolades and 
you know, you, you emphasized that you just really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I look, I look at this, you know, list and I just wonder, man, how many other tournaments are here? Can you just tell us one of those, the, the most fond memories, like tell us the one day, just mm. bring us into your boat mm-hmm. on, on a special day, grass fishing, you know, or it doesn't even have to be grass fishing, but just one of these, you know, give us a glimpse. Yeah. I, you know, um, I've had a couple of uh, big tournaments that I've caught some big weights uh, doing. I've caught um, my team partner and I at Toledo Bend. We caught 38 pounds flipping the um, bushes. They all come out of the bushes, three foot of water. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, we had we had such a blast that day. We we mm-hmm. once we got on a pattern, they, we found out that all the big females were on the tips of the buck brush that stuck out off the off the Louisiana side and uh and we once we figured that out we would we would flip around and we'd catch catch them off of one point aisle down find some more buck brush sticking out and catch another one we we had a we had a 990 something and then uh eight and a half two seven and a halves and then I <laughs> I called a four I called a four six with a seven and a half and we still had a five pounder in there and, and, um, and he says, man, we're going, we're going back. We're going back to weigh in. I said, we got two hours. I said, we can call that five pounder. He goes, Nope. He said, I'm not going to take a chance of the boat breaking down. He says, set on top of the live wells and we're going home. <laughs> oh so I had to quit fishing and we caught, we, that was just, that was a fabulous day. I caught, I caught 36 pounds here in a BFL on a football jig. And it, you know, it all went down like the first 30 minutes and, I called the tournament director and I said, uh, can I use the co-angler side? He goes, why? And I said, well, I got a, I got a 10 and a half and a nine and a six in the bottom. And I just caught a three and a three and a half and they're laying on their side and I can't get them down in the water good enough. And, uh, <laughs> and he goes, oh my goodness. And I said, wait a minute, I got a bite and I hung up on him. And I caught another six pounder. So I put the <laughs> and, and he calls me back and he, I said, well, I, I, sorry about that, Mark. I, I had, I had to hang up on you. And, and, then, uh, and then I took my coat a few minutes later. I mean, the fit, those fish quit biting and that was probably eight, eight thirty in the morning. So we went over to this, he, he liked throwing a rattle trout. I said, well, here, we'll just go right around the corner. I said, there's a bunch of fish in this drain. He said, I'll let you, you know, I'll back you in there and you can catch a, uh, catch a limit or get started on your limit. So I backed him in there and I'm up there just piddling around. He threw about four or five times. He says, I can't get a bite. I said, let me see. And I made the first cast and, and I catch a six pounder and I called it three and a half. So that was, that was a nice day that day. <laughs> so, I've had a Picky, lot what, what does a bush look like when you flip in it, the nine, nine oh. eats your jig or whatever. Oh, yeah, that particular bush was one that that uh, he and I had fished like two years earlier, and uh, I hung a fish up down in that that same bush down the bottom of it, and so I said, "You hold on to my belt, and I'm going to reach down in there and get that fish undone." And <laughs> and he he was always, I mean, we we had a lot of fun fishing, and and I got over in there, and and my body weight got more over over the, and he just had 
motion, but he said I had to scratch my nose, so he let go of me. And and so I went in that bush. So that particular day, I said, we were getting close to that bush. And I said, remember that bush right there? He goes, yeah. And I said, I left my scent there. I said, there's a big one in there. And he was sitting down. I flipped in there and it, and it just loaded up. And this fish, the bush, when you say the bush just exploded. And it Whoa. come rolling out of there and run under the boat. And I knew it was big, but we had just caught an eight and a half just earlier. And, and it's had me pinned aside the boat. And, and I'm telling him, I said, get the net. I said, this is a big one. He goes, yeah, how big? I said, it's bigger than the other one. He goes, yeah, whatever. And then it rolled up there, and he got he got a little excited then, which he never got excited about anything. <laughs> it's pretty wow. Cool. We had a good one. Yeah. 40 pounds. That's that's amazing. Did, did you ever have, like, a, a team tournament where you, like, uh, even beat that 40-pound uh uh, no, I, I mean, I, you know, we've got guys around here that are catching 40 pounds pretty fairly often. I, and I just hadn't been that one that, that day I caught 36. I, I, I caught a nine. I made another cast in there with my other jig rod and, and a fish went the other direction and, and broke me off. And then my next cast was a 10 and a half. So that day I could have probably had 40, but, uh, but it, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Still, <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got guys catching catching. You know, I think Danny and Brian had like forty nine over here, or something like that, close to fifty. And then Danny and Brian, who who are those guys? Uh, they they're one of the this time of year. They're about as good as there is around this this part. They're they're all all D Danny Isles and uh, Brian Shook, I think this. So, that that means a lot coming from you, I'm sure. Oh, there, yeah. I, you know, thing about it is, when not being able to fish fish consistently here and not going all over the country, you you have to stay in tune with these fish. If whether you're here or Toledo Bend, you just, I mean, it's so easy to get out of tune because you know my old spots. I mean, hardly any of them ever work anymore. You, you'll catch a few fish, but far as catching anything big i mean it's all it's always something new i mean you have to you have to stay up with them and there's parts of the lake that work the parts it's not as not as hot as others just like any other lake but this one here is really critical you got to be in the right areas how is uh ford with the absence of grass especially how's ford facing sonar uh, you uh -huh. know, impacted things down there uh -huh. that's a sore subject with me I'm, I'm beginning to learn how to do it, but I did, you know, that that's, I never, I mean, I've caught some good sacks, sight fishing before, you know, in beds and stuff, but I, you know, it's really for tournament fishing. I really don't enjoy tournament fishing uh, because usually I, I find some big fish and when I get there, somebody else is sitting on them or, you know, or, or it rains at night, or it becomes wind mm. starts blowing, it's cloudy and I can't catch them and da, 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 da. And I go on and on about, what's happened to me this forward facing sonar is very similar to sight fishing i mean you're actually looking at the fish on on the screen i mean i, right. I pulled up to brush pile today and and uh seen, seen one sitting on top of it and i just had to throw over there and i you know threw my jerk bait over there and caught it and it was pretty neat just watching it i, I i'm not as up to date on 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 the technology as i should be and i'm getting better I'm learning a little bit as I go, but it's really hard. I mean, I'm the type of guy when I pull up on one of the holes out in the middle of the lake, 
I line up my stump with my timber line over here and I, my other stump over here with a, with a, with a tree on the horizon. And that's my waypoint. And then I'll look at my GPS and see if it's correct or not. <laughs> Cause I know, I know my tree lined up with that clay bank and, and that horizon. I know I'm right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm a little too, I don't know. Am I too I'm old? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> my body, my body says I'm old, but my mind still says I'm 30. So whatever. <laughs> that means you no, keep going. No. Yeah. So, so Dicky, you've been fishing offshore for for years and years. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about the angles. You know, you talk about lining up and making mm -hmm. the cast, and mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about angles. About about fishing the right angle. Is yes, sir. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, once you once you find a place and you get a few bites, you've got you've got to figure out the cast. There's always one cast that works best. Uh, it's just just the way it is. It's like that in grass, also. I mean, there's a, there's a particular uh, angle, whether in the grass. Uh, I caught them one time because I had some milfoil that was a little taller than the hydrilla, and the hydrilla right where it come up. And you could, if you got lined up just right and could come down the edge, you get bit every time. Mm. But it's the same way out on those clay hard spots and stuff on, the, you know, whether you're fishing rocks on some other lake or or clay here, you know, that there's there's different little uh, lines in it, and you've got to the fish want it coming from a certain angle almost every time. And once and you basically once you locate the fish, you you have to circle circle it and cast over and over and it takes sometimes it takes you know hours to to get that particular cast and once you get it if those fish are ever there again you can always catch them on that same cast so it's just the way it is don't know my exactly buddy, why uh, but it, that's just it <laughs> my buddy dave mance who uh lived on toledo bend for for a while mm -hmm. and uh and he was telling me that you're also renowned for ditches like uh you know, following those fish into the spawning flats. That's what he remembers about your big wins is, you know, that that's one big skill set that you developed over the years. People, people don't give bass credit enough for how far they move uh, mm -hmm. overnight or from morning to evening. I mean, they will move a long ways with water temperatures as a rule. It's usually water temperatures as a warming spell, warming, front that south wind that's coming in and, and warming the water a little bit uh and they use these ditches going in ditches being uh indentions uh sometimes ditches are only a foot deep sometimes they're 10 foot deep they're they're old creeks and washouts and stuff i mean if if you go out in a field and you see where water's washed down through you know washed a little gully like in a field that's that's kind of like a ditch, you know, and you put water over the top of it and there you go. You got a ditch. These ditches usually go as a rule. They, they go into the spawning areas and, and these fish use it just like they're, that's their highway going in and out. And uh, they, you know, you may get in there in, in the morning. So they may be out at the mouth and, and by the end of the day, they may be a quarter of a mile further up that ditch. And it, it really changes from day to day, you know. And then when you throw throw hydrilla on the sides of it, well, that, then they've got all kinds of stopping points through there that they'll stop on. So ditches are um, 
they're very critical. Well, you're one of the best, and uh, we've 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 gotten our hair blown back by some of the stuff you're teaching us tonight, and uh, uh, all all the people at Bash University appreciate it. Um, did Alex? Do we have any more questions? Do we have any more prizes to give away before we let Dicky go? Other than the grand prize trivia, Pete, we don't have any prizes, but I do have some questions I could hit if you want to do that real quick. Let let's let's hit one more question. Yeah, so this was, I thought, a good question that came in off of – it was a, more of a comment that came in off YouTube, but it made me think. It came in from William Clark, and what he was ki kind of trying to say was, Dickie, what color would you throw when everyone else is out there throwing the Rayburn red? Do you, do you have a color to throw to sort of fade the public a little bit and get off the beach in the beaten path? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called New Newberry Crawl. <laughs> no, I, you know uh, – uh, Wes over at Rattletrap, they uh, they did uh, take a color that that I'd been using. I, I I won a Rattletrap only tournament here several years ago, and it was on an old Rattletrap, an old one that I had found. And um, it was kind of an overcast day that day, and and I took it to Wes and I said, "This is the bait I was using." He says, "I don't ever remember painting a, this this colored trout." And so they started asking all the painters and stuff back in the shop and, and, uh, they don't really know where it come from, but anyway, it was, it had some Brown, had a little gold in it and it was a crawfish pattern and it had, had a little copper mixed in there and stuff. And it, it was a, it was a good color. Now the not getting, all right, I've already promoted that color, but anyway, so <laughs> when he asked that question, is there something else I would throw? I, I would, uh, I, there again, I start with a brown. I start with a red, a red shad, a red crawfish pattern. You can try the white crawfish pattern. You know, you got to mix it up until you start getting bit. I'm a, I, here's, one, here's one really, really neat deal. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, if you can find a school of fish, and I don't care if these fish are two pounds or pound and a half, but you know where they're at and you know you can pull up there and you can catch them quick. Well, I usually have one or two of those found where I can catch seven or eight fish pretty quick. Well, I'll, I'll try all of my baits and I'll try all colors on those fish until I finally get one to where they've got both hooks in their mouth. And when, when I see that, when I'm having to dig it out with needle nose, I know I've got the right color. And then I'll take that, and that color will usually work the rest of the day all over the lake. Wow. So if you, can well, find, if you can find a little drain that's got a bunch of pound and a half, two-pound fish in it, hit it first thing and try all your colors. And, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I start off when it's rattle trap season. I've usually got four to six of them on the front deck, all different colors. Man, what what a great tip! That that's uh, that's amazing stuff. And uh, man, what what a neat deal! Just get them to react. Find the one they're reacting best to, yeah. and that's your color for the day. Um, yeah, that that's so amazing. I, Pete, I'm gonna know, have to go buy more flipping sticks. That's right. Yeah. Oh, God, <laughs> I, I I gotta I mean, retool it makes everything. Perfect sense. I, <laughs> well, you know it. it yeah, and I know I know we gotta get off here real quick, but you got you gotta think of it this way. When you throw it out there with a 
So the stiff rod, fluorocarbon with very little stretch, and you and a fish comes up and slaps it. I mean, there's no give, and it's gonna stick him. If it's a limber rod, and 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 it's line that doesn't like mono or something like that, and they come yeah. up and slap it, you know the the odds of them getting stuck are a lot less. That's that's when you start sticking them in the in that scale, and you start getting a scale back. When they hit it with my flipping stick on there, it goes through that scale and on into the skin, and I mm. I don't have a problem catching. I got a I got a picture of a nine pounder here that's stuck with the hooks right in the side, and it could have been it very easily been a scale, but it wasn't. Dicky, how's the uh, how's the return on that bait like to your hand? Like, does it does it feel different like in the way the bait feels as it's fishing through the water on a flipping stick yes. at, than it would on oh. a say a, a totally. crankbait rod? <laughs> totally different. And oh I'm, yeah, you can, more you can feel it so much better. You can feel it so much better. Right. You can really, you can feel every little vibration on the flipping stick. And when you get a Which more limber rod. Key no, and grass. Yeah. And then when it wads up in that grass, it's hard. I mean, you sometimes rip it out, but, but I keep my, my cast become more, um, more valuable or more productive. Uh, each cast when, when it hangs up and just a little pop, well, I'm back to, back to my retrieve. Right. If you're sitting there trying to yank it out of grass and keep it going, it's, uh, you lose too many casts, too many opportunities. What about your rip when you're ripping grass? We actually just, we, we, we just filmed an awesome seminar not too long ago with our guy, Ike. Um, and the seminar was based on ripping grass. So, um, yeah. I mean, just another reason to check out the program for guys that are watching that maybe haven't, but when you're ripping grass, uh, Dickie, do you, do you snap up? Do you come across your body? Like talk about what, how you actually rip the bait out of the grass. Well, my, mine usually I'm, I'm pointed at, at probably a 15, 20 degree angle to where the bait is. So I, I'm almost pointed at it, but not quite. And then, and it's probably a 45 degree angle. The butt stays here. And it's just, a, I mean, people, they'll pull up to me and say, what have you been, do what are you doing over here? Well, I'm ripping it mm -hmm. out of the grass. And it's, the, it's that kind of stuff. And I really, really black. And it's probably about a 45 degree angle. Okay. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be great to be able to pop it straight up, but it's, it's really, really difficult to do. Uh, especially if it's in shallow grass. A lot of times when you rip it up, it's going to come flying over your head. I had a co-angler right. that tried to catch one of my rattle traps with my good hook. <laughs> and we spent, you know, 30 minutes getting hooks out of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you're pulling it directly back over your head and it comes out, you're going to be dodging, uh, during the day, you're going to dodge a few rattle traps. If you're pulling it to the side, usually it flies and goes by the boat. Because I, I get pretty aggressive. I, get, I guess that's why I snag so many. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get him in the boat. Yeah. Right, right, Riz? I know we, yeah. we're dealing yeah. with that exact issue is getting them in the boat. Yeah. You, you and I have been, you know, contemplating the, the adjustments right. that we can make to get them in the boat well, up I, on the test know, because we deal with this same thing. Yep. Uh, you may have solved their problem. But a lot of times when you're uh, – when people complain about losing fish on rattle traps, I, you know, knock on wood. I, I mean, I, as a rule, I don't lose that many. And yeah, you'll lose one every now and then. But I think that stiff rod helps because a lot of those fish on those limber rods, you know, they grab it and go the other way, just like I was talking about on a jig and holding that rattle trap in their mouth. And, 
you know, with if you're not pulling hard enough, he's going to open that mouth and it's going to come out. I mean, right. I mean, those are pretty good size. A number three treble is a fairly good, you know, bite. It's not like you're throwing sixes, you know, you know, something like that. So that 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 big hook, I mean, you get them in them, uh, you can you can put a lot of tension on them. Yeah. Well, we like we heard you. It's amazing. Uh, really great stuff. And uh, man, it, you know, I, we're gonna have to save the Harold Allen stories till next time. Please, that's great. I'm glad. <laughs> Pete, are we done? Can, can we not ask one more question? Okay. Give Mike, Mike, go ahead. Vicky, I, 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 I gotta okay. know. You won a hundred thousand dollars in a BFL. Was it the All American at a Wachita? Regional. Okay, it was a regional, but you won a hundred grand. Right at it. Yeah. Right I at it. Two, I won two of those. That's amazing. Like, can you walk us through like how the guy from Texas goes up to the clear, you know, slap full of little spotted bass of Wachita and wins a hundred grand. Well, I caught, um, uh, that the first time I won was in 2000 and those guys had never, they, those bass had never seen a jig coming down through the grass and it was Mm. 22 foot on the outside edge of the grass. And I went over there, I went over the weekend or weekend before cutoff to practice and I couldn't even get down the boat ramp. There's boats everywhere. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I seen the stage set up. So I went on out there and fish and everybody told me you couldn't catch them in the grass. And I got out there and I got to seeing these coots swimming around as in October coots had just started coming down. And, and so I went over and, and I said, I, I reached in and pull out one of my jigs and started flipping. I caught like 17, 18 pounds. I seen another group of them kind of out in the middle of the lake. I went over there and, and I caught like three sixes over there and I go, man, so I went in that afternoon and here was all these people and there's had the stage going on. It was, uh, the Arkansas Gazette, uh, big bass deal and, uh, tournament fishermen, guides and everything could enter it. And uh, I said, well, what's leading it? They said, um, a five, two, I think a five twenty five, five twenty eight. I said, Hmm. Okay. Well, a buddy of mine that lived up there that guided on the lake, he was going to show me how to go catch some of the topwater fish. And I said, Hey, uh, I want to take you for a guided trip on your own lake. I said, so meet me here in the morning. So we went down there and we, we signed up for the tournament. So we went out there and pulled up and I caught, caught a five, caught a three and a half. I caught another, I caught a five forty and a five thirty, And then I caught a five sixty eight. and you was only allowed to have three of them. So when I started throwing five pounders back, he got all excited. He said, no, we got to go. So we, I want, for a long story, I went in there. We won the boat and uh, won that tournament in two or three hours of it, you know, because they were paying per hour. And then I went back in the regional and went back, uh, that's two weeks later, and um, I, I caught them. I caught them big time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yep. And, 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 and the next time I went back in 2008, well, I went back in 2005 and I finished second. James Nickemeyer won that one. And then, uh, and then we went, I think we went back in 2008 and I caught, uh, I got on a scrape and, uh, and the scrape kind of won it for me on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Got on the scrape. They had scrapes up there apparently because I caught them on consistent. Consecutive <laughs> off right there. So it's I need to get on a scrape. 
Michael. Yeah, I wish wish I knew right now. Yeah, it's funny. I I heard uh, some audio break in, and I thought it was your wife saying, "I hadn't seen a dime of that ninety five thousand dollars." Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was me saying that. I never seen a dime. Of it. <laughs> uh, That's the truth. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Oh man, great, great stuff. Really, really enjoyed it. We all learned a lot, and uh, I appreciate we we hung out with you extra long. Appreciate you hanging in with us and uh, and and talking fishing uh, so it. much. I, you know, it was it was great having you on the show. Great, thank you. And wish you best luck. Uh, what's your next derby? Where, where are you going to be fishing this year? Uh, we'll go Harris Chain next in March. Go to Harris Chain. I, I fished there a couple of years ago. Had a had a great tournament there. I mean, I had had my opportunities. So I, I look forward to that one. Yeah, I think they played the lipless baits over there. I, I heard that. Mm. That's right. I caught probably 50 to 100 a day on it. So Oof. it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun. That's awesome. Go that find you awesome. a scrape out there. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, well, be careful when you're digging through the grass that it's not an alligator. Yeah, yeah. there you go. There's a few. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks so much, Dickie Newberry. Uh, man, super talent. Uh, we're going to be watching and pulling for you down at the Harris Chain. And man, we hope to have you back on the show at some point soon. Certainly. Be glad to. A lot of fun. Oh, it straight. was fun. It was fun. Thank you so Grapes. much. Good luck. Good luck at the next tournament. Right. And uh, man, you've inspired us all to go out and try to figure out how to catch forty pounds of fish on the scrape. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that, that that was great stuff, guys. We we've, we've got some great stuff coming on Bash University Live. You guys are. Uh, I know you enjoyed the interview. We did too. Um, mm. So much fun. Uh, but we, we're going to give away a grand prize. We've got a Facebook like and share coming up. And uh, this is your last chance. So you're watching this over on Facebook, like and share it. And uh, we've got a great prize for you guys. And we're, we have a uh, we have a grand prize question. Riz or Alex, who's handling that question tonight? I think I'm going to handle the, uh, the grand prize. Um, it's not a it's not a from the brain of Ken Duke type of question. So. You know, we'll uh, we'll have to see how the guys handle it. I'm sure they'll get it really fast, like they always do. Uh, it doesn't really right. seem to matter who the question comes from. The answers always seem to come in fast. But we uh, we got some cool stuff going on uh, later this week uh, at the Bash University, Pete. We are we are rolling south. So south if bound. there's if there's anybody down there in the Palatka, or as one of our very own Mr. Nate Hogan would say, Palatka. Um, for the Bassmaster Elite Series event, come see us. Um, the Bashu crew is uh, it's gonna be gonna be rolling south, Pete. I'm 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 pretty stoked about that, man. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun fun deal. Uh, setting up shop and uh, hanging with the Bassmaster boys. I can't wait, can't wait, guys. If you're a subscriber to Bashu and you're down there, what's Nate call it? Palatka. Palatka. Or Palatka, whichever you prefer. <laughs> come come by and see us if you're a subscriber. We're going to have a booth, a tent down there at the weigh-in on Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the Elite. We'll be pulling for Mike. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're a subscriber, come by and see us. If you're not a subscriber, come by and see us. We're going to have an amazing opportunity there for you guys to get subscribed. We still have our 60 days 
free trial going on right now. Go get everybody signed up, JK. The, 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 it's off the charts how many subscribers uh, have signed up, uh, taking advantage of this trial that's about to expire. That's right. We got, uh, well, I guess maybe a few hours left anyhow. Yes, sir. Go get signed up. Yeah, it, now's the time. And, uh, man, we just learned some amazing stuff. Heck I can't yeah. wait to talk with you guys about all that stuff that we just learned. Uh -oh. So so talk to me about the, uh, the, the grand prize question, Riz. All right. So the uh, grand prize for tonight's show uh, is, as talked about earlier, it's a clutch swim bait. Um, the swim bait that actually put a clutch one in the boat for our guy, Professional Fishhead, this past weekend. Um, so That's right. The, these things, these things flat out catch them. Um, and the question that we're going to go with for the grand prize, the clutch swim bait, it's going to go back to a little bit of history uh, from our guest tonight, Mr. Newberry. And the question is going to be, what was Dickie Newberry's heaviest single day tournament bag in a BFL? What was Dickie Newberry's heaviest single day tournament bag in a BFL? It's Alex, giant, help me watch. I'm sure way. they're flying. Yeah, from a, from a guy that uh, uh, calls five pounders on you know many occasions. On a Wachita of all places, my goodness, right? Just we need exacts, guys. Like, I didn't even see a five pounder up here. We need exacts. <laughs> I love watch. I love Pounds, watching the, uh, the numbers roll up, man. But I'm doing pretty good wait, here. What Pete. a deal! Like, talk. I mean. Talking about using that flipping stick uh, mm -hmm. for the lipless bait is is kind of innovative. I I Ooh, got I one. went the other way in some tournaments where lipless was key, where I continued to use my cranking rod, but which is soft, parabolic. Uh, but I went to Brave to be able to accomplish what he's doing with his flipping stick. Um, interesting stuff, man. That's that's really cool. Yep. Yeah. When you, you think you about how many big fish are not going to eat your bait, like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I've seen it several times. Like at Ray Roberts last year, I was catching them on that big giant spoon, but like you would get a thump and basically they'd do a circle around it. And all you do is the next pull, you would just set the hook and you could stab them, you know? Mm. And <laughs> right. like, but that's the only way you could catch them because they're not going to, they're just so smart when they get that big that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think that's the big key, you know, like those, those trap fish, I just think there's something about the speed of it and, right. and them just getting that reaction. And if you can get them to roll on it or turn on it, like you said, if he got those gaff hooks out there, he can stick a few of them. You know? Right. What, yeah. what, what really stuck out to me was the, with the stiffer rod, it, it immediately made me think like, damn, I'm going to feel every single little piece of grass on that bait, whatever it touches and it goes back to the like the thought of like, okay, what's more important, fishing your bait correctly and being in tune with it to get the bite, or worrying about after you get the bite putting the fish in the boat? And like, it, it's kind of like it doesn't matter if you think you're gonna lose them because you got too stiff of a rod. If you're not making the fish bite because you're not working the bait correctly, you, you know what, what are we doing? You know, mm -hmm. so it's like it's cool to hear how uh, you know so many guys have different you know strategies and in rod reel combinations for all these different techniques. And ultimately it's like, if it works for you, stick with it, roll with it. And clearly it works for him. So, 
Well, that's, that's a big question, Riz. That's a very, very complex question yep. that, that that you you laid out there that that Dickie has answered answered for himself. Yeah. And um and we all need to find that answer for ourselves. Uh, is the importance of working, you know, triggering the strike versus landing the fish. Um, mm. Man, big, big, complex question. I'm just curious. Let's throw it. I want, I, want throw, I want to throw it around. I want to hear what you guys are using for for rods on traps. Like before hearing Dicky, like don't go and change well, what you're doing already. But like, what 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 is what have you guys been throwing for for traps for? Run run it around the room, man. Alex, yeah. let's start with you. I keep it pretty textbook, just a seven four medium heavy moderate composite rod. It's got I haven't lost any fish on it, so I don't see it necessarily a need to change it, but I definitely see where Dickie's coming from, how it can change the feel of the bait as you're reeling in. It's definitely worth giving it a look. All right. Uh Mike Reed, what are you throwing? So I throw mine on a seven foot three medium heavy, uh, but it is a uh uh, you know, a composite and it's a fast tip. So, I mean, it's a pretty stout rod. Right. JK? Seven, six, medium, heavy, fast action. Not, not the moderate stuff, not the chatterbait stuff with that. I have gone to just, just a straight up medium, heavy, seven, six. Uh, seven, six is kind of a big rod for me because I'm short, but um, yeah, and I use braid when I'm fishing in grass with that. I just, I, I've, I've known about, you know, what Dickie has. I, I was in the boat with Wesley Strader when I was a young kid fishing hydrilla, and he kind of taught me that, you know, how to get the bait clean. Keeping the bait clean was important. You know, when you made contact, you needed to, and you needed to rip it free. And um, I honestly went, we had, a, we had a couple lakes when I was 19 to 23 <laughs> Just new boat owner. Well, it was an old boat, but still. We had a couple of lakes that I had access to that were um, about 300 acres apiece. Had a ton of hydrilla and some of my best early fallen in love with bass fishing hydrilla days was on a Rayburn Red Excalibur XR50 when it was, you know, new. XR50. Um, ripping, it, ripping it out of the grass. Braided line, you know, 40-pound braid on a... Seven six medium heavy rod, man. And uh gosh, I don't I have not gotten to gotten to fish that way in so long it pains me. Like Mike Reed, you remember when you were in Georgia and we would go to Lake Seminole and have those two on two tournaments. And we would do two tournaments a day for like three days. And and every session, nobody had less than twenty pounds. We were ripping traps out of the grass for three yeah, straight days. That's awesome. And it was just like I think it took 26 to win one one session every was, January. <laughs> it was so stupid. That's crazy. Oh man, I miss it. I miss it. I gotta go grass fishing. Hey, I had well, me a scrape on that lake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you did have a scrape. That's we a did too. Thing. Mouth of Spring Creek. I didn't know it was a Ooh. scrape, but it was. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, uh, I I want to weigh in. I. I use so many different rods. I use a, a, a seven foot medium action rod. I use a the John Cruz uh, square bill rod, and I use the seven eleven uh, or the deep the, the also the John Cruz rod. And it depends. But here's the big deal: I fish a lot around eelgrass and milfoil, hmm. and 
it's like butter. It's different. When you're around hydrilla, which you encounter in Texas and Florida, Toledo, Bend, those stalks are different. And mm. it's going to, it requires, you can't use those rubber rods. I get it. But I don't fish around that grass a lot. And uh, I, I could, you know, what if you got a, a soft rod and even one treble gets into the stalk of, of a hydrilla stalk, and, I mean, you, you're, you're literally not going to snap it out of there without using braid or switching your rod. So mm. it's, uh, man, complex stuff. But I, I'm, I, I love listening to it. I love learning um, what, what, what he's doing and uh, the fact that in the hooks, what, what a unique concept there about, you know, so many times I've come back with a scale and no fish. Catching a 10-pounder or 9-pounder in, the, in tail, the tail, Yeah, never. I've Nuts. never done that, ever. You, mm. you know, you know, we need to go back and look at some footage of like Dicky and you know fishing grass. You know, he won that Toyota on Rayburn, and like I, I just wonder about the hook set. You know, like the older I get, the more or the stiffer rods I go to. You know, like where I used to throw like a seven six three quarter heavy on like a Carolina rig. I'm throwing like a seven nine extra heavy now. You know, but mm -hmm. I used to set the hook like Gerald Swindle did too. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Like, I would love to see Gerald throw, you know, him throw that flipping stick on a rattle trap. You know, like all the fish would go flying over the boat. You know? It would be nothing but a set of lips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we do we have a winner for the grand prize? We do. So the uh, the first person to come in with the correct answer was Mike P, and that is a single day bag, a single day bag, guys, of. 36 pounds, five ounces. Single day bag, 3605. Holy smokes. What a bag. That's, like that's strong. Yeah. Mm. Like that's, that's, you're bringing the weight to the scales. Hand me my check. And, uh, yeah. that was Mike P. Uh, congrats, Mike P. You won yourself a clutch swim bait, bro. So enjoy that thing. It's, uh, I wonder if he played any fame music when he was walking up to the stage. You know, like you'd have to, like I would like, show up two hours early and i'd have to go find a speaker so i could play like some theme music when i walked up there for 36 pounds you know be like hulk hogan walking in you know i'd be anxious i wouldn't i'd be like oh if i'm catching 36 pounds everybody's got 36 pounds i gotta i gotta get 46 pounds you know golly no kidding i'm the same way you Except know? i've never experienced it no nah. have you ever caught a pound bag yeah. tournament pete What's that? Have you ever caught a 30 pound bag? In a, have you I, done I've the never broken. Uh, well, on the Chesapeake at uh, just guiding or teaching lots right. of times, but never in a tournament. Never. So, Pete, what was your biggest bag in a tournament? 24 and change is the biggest bag I've ever brought to the scale. Where was Smallmouth? that? Smallmouth? Smallmouth. Lake ah, Smallmouth. Wow. Yep. That's like yep. a 40 pound bag. <laughs> yep. I've got 23-pound bags, 20, uh, 24, you know, uh, but, yeah, that's that's the biggest I've ever uh, weighed in. Was that know? at Erie? Yeah, Erie, uh, it's all been at Erie, all those big bags. Man, I, wanna, I want a dirty 30 badge. I want to be a part of that club. Yeah, I feel yeah. like I, have, I had my chance at the St. John's this year, 
and lost a couple big ones. Uh, and man, you just wonder, it's like, man, am I ever going to get a chance again? I mean, I live in Georgia, so we don't get we don't get a lot of unless you go down to Seminole, you don't get shots at thirty. Justin, pounds. so what is your biggest bag? Oconee this year, twenty two pounds, and then I had a twenty one something at St. John's, so I caught my two biggest bags solo uh, this year. Yeah, uh, solo bag. Wow, yeah, that's that's dropping the dropping the hammer. You had, a, you, had you had you had a big uh, you had some big bags on the Chesapeake Riz. What? But what, they weren't solos. They were they were team they were team derbies. I mean, in twenty twenty, had those we had, still count? Yeah, yeah, we, they do. We had twenty four. <laughs> we had twenty four eight, and uh, Woo! on, on the that's flats. big bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, we live in well, guys. I live in the wrong area for that. Alex probably is like that too. Like, I how am I sitting here listening to all these twenty fours and? 20- <laughs> I, the only, uh, the only scrape you that. find in Indiana is scraping the back of your head trying to figure out where the heck the fish are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We all have we all have that scrape, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so so does KBD, right? What's the yeah. Indian move? <laughs> <laughs> we all got that scrape, man. That's fun. That's good stuff. And uh what, what a great show. We got a Facebook like and share winner? Yeah, we do, Pete. Uh, tonight's Facebook like and share winner uh, is congratulations, Matt Gauss. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Please forgive me if I'm butchering it. Matt Gauss, uh, congratulations. You won tonight's Facebook like and share. That's a $50 prize pack from all of our awesome sponsors at the Bash University. Awesome. Hey, thanks, everybody, uh, for being with us tonight. Thanks, Dickie Newberry, for uh, visiting with us. And, uh, the whole crew here at Bath. Mike Reed, it's great to have you with us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a nice treat. Thank, and, uh, thank you, Pete. Yep. Was- you bet. I hope to see you. We're going to see you at the Bassmaster Classic. Um, and uh, Alex, are you going to be at the Classic with us this year? I will be, yeah. Jocelyn was getting me hooked up, so I'm looking forward to it. Heck, Heck yeah. Dream team. Excellent. <laughs> Come by and see us. It's going to be a monster event in uh, South Carolina, maybe one of the biggest classics ever and uh come by and see us at the bass university booth come see us in florida if you're down there next week just to get the warm weather we're going to be there with the bass university booth at the bassmaster elite tournament on st john's river and uh we've got a lot of great stuff coming at bass university get yourself signed up it's still 60 days free get that free trial if you haven't taken it yet get over there and uh we've got a nice seeing red promotion coming coming up to what well, exists right now if you want to sign up annually so get over there to bashu.tv thank you everybody bashu for hanging out with us uh, all the guys here on the show and uh we're we're going to take next week off we're not going to be live next week but we will be back in two weeks with a lot of great stuff we're going to be down in florida next week so yeah. we will catch up with you in two weeks look for some content from us. Live. look for some content this weekend guys we're, we're going to be on scene uh at the event so stay tuned we're uh we'll, we'll, we'll have some pretty cool stuff coming at you for the uh first elite series event of the year so awesome stuff excellent good night everybody thanks for watching i'm pete kluzak bash university live